Welcome to the Somanami podcast. I'm Wendy. And I'm Udoni. We are literary advocates and book champions from Nairobi, Kenya. At the Somanami podcast, we tackle the intersection of books with culture and community from a Pan-African lens. In this house, we fearlessly engage with Pan-African thought and decolonial discourse. On this episode, we continue our conversation with Troy Onyango, an award-winning writer and editor from Kisumu, Kenya. Troy is the founder and editor-in-chief of Lolwe, a literary magazine. Yeah. We yeah, definitely appreciate you taking your time to chill with us. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, your background your looks so nice. I'm jealous. Like, I wish I had, like, Aww. a way to do it. <laughs> oh, thank you, Asante. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like I was saying, thank you, Asante Sana, for your support. Thank you for agreeing to do this, making time to hang with us to talk about the shelfie that you so graciously agreed to also just curate for us in February. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, your upcoming projects, like I said, we hope it's gonna be very informal. Yeah. So there are no what do you call them? There's no censorship. I get scared when people start saying there's no censorship. <laughs> this is a free space. I get scared. <laughs> yeah. This is an actual free space. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. You know when I when I saw your selection for the selfie, uh, for the shelfie rather. <laughs> wow, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, the Luo. I'm the one who is supposed to be saying selfie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking over your role. Right? <laughs> the selfie. <laughs> I'm talking about the selfie camera. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll excuse it. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you like. I mean, you're recommending some of the books that I really love. And for yeah. some reason, I felt so validated. I'm like, hmm, I have good taste in books. <laughs> <laughs> well, we still don't know that because my taste in books tend to be very questionable. Um, not not in a way that not in a way that they're bad, but I tend to be very <laughs> specific about what I read. So sometimes I always feel like I'm missing out on a lot of stuff that's out there. You know, yeah. I, I I hope Amin is not in this life because we've had this <laughs> we've had this battle before. Of, um, yeah. My my reading tends to be very strictly literary and kind of you know I tend to stick to that so much. And I always wish you know I could go back to um, in high school and most of um, yeah most of high school and primary school I used to read all over the place. But now life is too short and there's yeah. very li- limited time, so I just choose what's very. Um, what I think will appeal to me. Yeah. And and yeah. what is that? Like, how do you pick your, how do you decide what's your next read? Or what kind <laughs> of a reader are you? Like, are you a mood reader? Are yeah. you like a very particular genre, centric reader? How do you pick your, your books? Yeah, I mean, I start with literary. So for me, it has to be something very literary. I, I, I have kind of gone, I've tried reading genre recently, you know, but it's just very difficult to get into. Um, so I'm kind of the literary snob, you know, um, but that's usually, <laughs> that's yeah. usually uh, where I start to, where I start from. Um, regarding 
how do I pick? I just try to make my, you know, my selection even within that limited pool as varied as possible. If you notice, yeah. even in my list, I tried to cover yeah. all, almost all continents. You know, I tried to read from as many countries as possible. I'm now reading a book from someone from Mauritius, which um, Fifi gifted me a while ago, and I've never had the chance to read it. And she, <laughs> she recently called me out. I, of I it. think she called you out. I saw that. Yeah, and I'm almost um, done with it. Um, which one is that? This is Eve is Out of Her Ruins. Oh. Yeah, by Ananda Devi. And I think Fifi like... has gifted everyone. She knows that book because she also <laughs> sent it to me. Have you read it? I did. I loved it. It's I really good. It's really good. Really you, know good. How, you know how you delay so much, you know, you keep putting something off on your TBR and you're like, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to yeah. that. And when you finally get to it, you're like, why did I not pick this the first, you know, the first instance? It's really yeah. good. Um, yeah. I, recent, I recently finished reading um, La Bastada by Trifonia. Um, this is like the first book I've read from um, Equatorial Guinea. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Um, ah, okay. Oh okay. La Bastada. Yeah, and it's, it's really, it's really, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when you think about like um, queer African fiction, you never think about like, Equatorial Guinea writing queer fiction, you know, it's kind of always like the domain of Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, Zimbabwe, yeah. and maybe Ghana. But to read this and to find queer, very openly lesbian um, fiction in setting Equatorial Guinea, you know, in rural Equatorial Guinea, it's not even like wow. um, urban spaces. Yeah. And so that for me is how I just move through books, you know. I think. If you are a reader, you know how the more you read, the more you realize how little read you are. You start to, to panic. <laughs> yeah, so usually usually sometimes I'm in the, I'm in a room and people will say, Oh, you've read so much and I'm like, Listen, I've literally not even scratched the surface. <laughs> I know. There's, there's just so much that's out there. people are publishing books every day and so for me it's just a matter of moving from this to the next sometimes i try to go through my tbr i'm literally yeah. looking at it on my bedside it's embarrassing because this is like <laughs> more than 10 books and i need to start reading to paradise by hanya Nagihara, which is just like a thousand pages That's I'm, a I'm scared that book I'm is scared. so menacing. it is so intimidating yeah but... how thick it is i was like yeah no and and i see you have a little life on the on the shelf on the shelf which, yeah, which I absolutely love. You know, I've read that book four times and every time it breaks it breaks me, like it tears me to pieces. I don't know why. I tend yeah. to do that with books that <clears throat> kind of destroy me in that way that I yeah. tend to go back to them. I tend to revisit them just to see if they still have that power, which is yeah. very sadistic. But they do every time. You know, you read a book. I've read all the light we cannot see twice and you know the first time it devastated me and the second time I was like okay maybe you know it's been two years I can you know but yeah. still these books wow. still you go back to them and they devastate you every single okay. time I remember reading Dust the third time and I was like oh my god why is Olivia's death still impacting me you know when yeah. Ajani <laughs> so, yeah when Ajani goes to Nairobi and kind of is trying to find you know trying to retrace Odidi's steps you know trying to find his face in the unfamiliar and yeah. it just sinks you and you kind of think okay you know this emotional impact it needs to 
it needs a way to be stored it needs somewhere to be stored away but you just find yeah. going back to it <laughs> so i don't know why i go back to sad books i don't know <laughs> you wear so many hats right you're yeah. a reader you're mm-hmm. a writer you're an editor so you <laughs> encompass the entire literary landscape <laughs> yeah and soon enough you'll be like a marketer and publicist but, and, and i know you do that for no. nowhere else so we'll get into that but i just wanted to get from you like how are you able to navigate like all these places all these spaces yeah. and how are you able to divorce one from another say if you're reading how yeah. do you remove your editor cap and go like i'm a reader i want to enjoy the story or when you're writing how do mm-hmm. you you know how do you write yeah. or are you writing and editing yourself at the same time how do you navigate all those shoes you wear <laughs> i think I think a lot of these things lend themselves to each other. I rarely take on something that I know will affect, you know, my writing or my editing. So even my day job, like most people don't know this, but I actually have a day job. I'm employed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um it's editing, you know. I work in legal publishing, you know. So that involves a lot of really um boring you know editing legal stuff you know and on a day to day basis that's what i do and i'm studying as well and you know of course there is my writing and there's the, there's lolwe which is just oof. anyway we'll get to lolwe later lolwe. Um, <laughs> i think for me it's just a matter of finding you know the fact that all of them kind of connect to one another so they're not far removed from each other you know my my editing of lolway requires me to read submissions my read mm-hmm. my writing for my, myself you know and even when i read lolway submissions there are things i see people do that i learn a lot from you know mm-hmm. so there are things i mean a lot of it is like i know you know because we receive almost a thousand submissions every cycle and a lot of it is like oh this is not what to do and also a lot of it is like this is really what i should adopt in my writing and so yeah they kind of borrow heavily and so i don't ever feel like i need to separate them okay the tough the tough part is i think if you were to ask me the question of how do you separate the aspect of making money and <laughs> you know you're creating <laughs> that's a whole different conversation which i think now that's where the challenge comes in you know yeah yeah um i mean It's interesting to hear that you had a little tiny blog. Is it still there? No, I deleted it <laughs> ages ago. I deleted it. I scrubbed it off the in, the face of the internet. <laughs> of the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's always interesting because you know when people see you when people see most artists, when people see yeah. most creative people, you know, somehow you're shortlisted for the Kane Prize, they think you just came up yesterday. Yeah. But you know with yeah. every artist you could go back to a journey of 7 years 8 years ago 9 yeah. years ago you know most of these people romeo yeah overnight success yeah you know <laughs> opera dedeji these are people we used to follow each other on like facebook and see people writing stories yeah. you know you know you'd see people writing all these blogs and the fact that they're not here doesn't mean you know romeo came up yesterday or i came up yesterday it is really a process it's a journey and i always tell young writers i know i'm a young writer as well but i always tell people just be patient with your craft don't see 
Troy Nyango being shortlisted for the King Prize and think, oh, I want to be shortlisted for the King mm-hmm. Prize as well. You know, when I wrote this little light of mine, you know, that was a story that took two years. I started that story in England, finished it, you know, wrote it part of it in Nairobi, wrote part of no, I started it in Norwich, wrote part of it in London, wrote part of it in Nairobi. It got published when I was living in Kisumu. So, you know, it's all when people look at this little light of mine, they think, oh my God, it's 3,800 words or 4,200 <laughs> words. No, but it's the process, you know. It's, yeah. it's, how, it's how many years it has taken me to get there. I'm putting out a small short story collection yeah. um, this year. And it's a culmination of six years of consistent writing. You know, it's a culmination of six years of constantly putting out work. So when you look at my bio, it's all, he's been published in this and this and this and this and this. And he's won this award and X award and all of that. But people don't look at it in terms of Troy Nyango has been consistently writing since 2015, 2016. And you look at that, you know, it's not yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And as... Is that no, 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 okay, so I'm curious to know, like I had there's a book coming out, of course I've seen um, the title of the book is a title of a story uh, that has been published before. So yeah. is, there, is there new stories in the book? When is it dropping? Uh, where can we pre <laughs> you know? let, let me Let me add my publisher to this video. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah there are new stories there are old stories there are stories that you know have been published before but i've reworked them they've kind of changed you know as you grow as an artist you know zeddy smith talks about this in changing my mind um as you evolve as an artist your work evolves with you and sometimes there's work that you can go back to and say i wrote this at 21 but i still stand by it at 29 and their work that you can go back to and say, I wrote this at 27 and I don't feel like it represents me as a person. So yes, it can still be the title is the same, the bone yeah. of the story is the same, but I've changed so much within it. And I feel like that's that's what the collection is about. You know, it's a patchwork of what's new, what's kind of new but not new and what's old as well. And, you know, the opening story, the transfiguration, this was my first published short story because it was the first time I was edited, it was the first time I was going through like a proper publishing process and I was nominated for a Pushcart Prize for it and every time I've read that story in public, it still represents me. Every time I've submitted that story to, you know let's say I'm applying for an MA or an MFA, I still get into certain spaces because of that particular story so I think with that, it will be unfair to kind of say, oh, you know, because it's an old story, let me not put it in my collection. But um, there are new stories um, and I'm really excited to see the reception because my collection is a bit varied, you know. It's not it's not uneven, but it's varied. So I'd, I'd really like to see what people think about it. Yeah. Okay. I, that's it. I have two questions in one. So... <laughs> And the questions are actually unrelated. So it's actually two different questions. But okay. because I don't want to forget, let me just ask all of them at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you've mentioned, um, you know, you write a story and a, a few years down the line, it's still relevant. And I listen to a lot of writers speak and I've had a lot of them saying like, you know, you review a work or a story you did a couple of years ago and you're like, oh, once it's published, you feel like you probably should have changed 
something or maybe you should have tied up removed a couple sentences tied something up do yeah. you ever completely get content with the work you put out after it's been published or are you always like looking at it and like oh crap maybe i should have xed out a whole chapter i i have that with every single short story i think i remember even when this little light of mine was published it was shortlisted for kane prize and this was like the first time i was going back to it since duke had published it and i remember looking at it and i was like what did the judges see in this? <laughs> Yeah. And a part of a part of it comes from me always being I'm a very self-critical person, you know. It allows me to have um you know, a a I'd say a superior taste in art, but at the same time it allows me it it is very you know, it it makes me very mean towards myself, you know, where yeah. I'm very critical of my own work. And so with every single work it's a constant process of revision for me. I've gone back to stories that I wrote 5 years ago and I emailed the editor and I'm like, "Hey, can you please pull that down?" <laughs> I <laughs> And people are always confused because sometimes they're like, "Oh, this is the most read story on our website." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I just yeah. feel like, you know, there are things that need tidying up." Um and I think even now if you go and look for for what are butterflies without their wings on Brickle Pepper's website it doesn't exist because yeah. I email. <laughs> so I I do that I do that a lot and yeah. I think that's why I'm terrified of print because I'm like once it's a thousand copies that out there fun. I cannot you know yeah. if it's If it was just like a small journal in North America where they take away my story and sell it on JSTOR for $25, no one would afford to buy that, you know. And <laughs> only people with like university access would ever read my work. But it's very it's becoming very a very scary process where I'm thinking, "Oh my god, now it's going to be a book." Yeah. You know. Yeah. And somebody is saying, "But doesn't that erase yeah. your I I feel like it doesn't. I feel like the story is i don't ever erase my draft so th- mm-hmm. that draft is still there you know it's and yours. i think it it's it's kind of this conversation where it's like oh do i allow myself as an artist to evolve or do i stick to this idea of growth and kind of always look back and say oh but you know that story is full of holes but let me just leave it out there you know mm-hmm. so I feel like sometimes that erasure works you know so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah but now when um for what are butterflies without their wings when that comes out uh, you you're like that's it that's it you have to do a book too if you want to make any revisions yeah but i also think that i'm i'm publishing my book in a very interesting publication model so i cannot <laughs> give out the details now but you will see it it's going to be very it's going to be something very interesting that i don't think I don't want to say I'm the first person to do it on the landscape but it's going to be very interesting just to observe. So I I think I'm I'm toying with the idea of having like an extra short story in one edition and not having and having different endings in different editions. So. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, so is that is that I know right? Is there a farm date for publication? Um my publisher said October but we are still trying to um figure out you know what what specific date cuz i still have uni as well so yeah. i cannot yeah there's so much i can't do outside of like between now and until september 
so once i'm able to finish university then yeah maybe maybe i will yeah i'm i'm just wondering do you have 24 hours like the rest of us because <laughs> you have a full time job you're writing and you have lolwe Wendy, are you want to say that you have a podcast? You run a bookstore. <laughs> a podcast that comes once once a year. Once a year. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you both, about do, yeah. you, you both do things outside of like you know your reading and your writing and your and I'm assuming your day jobs as well. So I think if you're passionate about things, you kind of find a way to make them work. Um. Yeah. I'm lucky to be someone who is very like organized like I'll wake up and write all the things I want to achieve in a day and that doesn't mean I'll achieve them but at least I always try to make sure I have a clear picture of what I want to achieve in a day or what I want to achieve in a week or what I want to achieve in a month you know yeah. So I mean sometimes I always and the thing is i watch netflix probably more than most people <laughs> i okay. spend so much in your time sleep <laughs> and i What's sleep happened? i do not compromise on my sleep i sleep 8 hours every day <laughs> after i literally come back That's from the gym you don't say in the same club i know <laughs> I, i come back from the gym i shower i eat i sleep i make sure i get 8 sometimes 10 hours of sleep because yeah. I think that's the thing with being very organized and also living in a space where the weather is just really cold all the time so you're indoors most times. Um but I think for me it's just a question of finding time to do things you're passionate about and I always tell people this is not aspire to inspire before you expire kind of thing but if you <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you yeah. are passionate about if you are passionate about stuff you know I run Lolway the magazine there's lolway classes there's other parts of lolway that people don't even see on the surface yeah. you know and i think it's just creating systems that enable you to work you know i and always just being ahead of communication so with lolway i have a team but at the same time it's a question of if we decide to do things offline then how um how am i kind of able to say oh i'm sick this week i cannot do something can someone step in so a lot of our stuff is done on like google drive google docs so it's all very collaborative um yeah. with for, for somebody who's probably uh, joining us and has no idea what lolo is maybe you can just quickly say what lolo is and what it does and where it comes from yeah i mean lolo is an online literary magazine um it's very pan african in its ambition um we publish black people from all over the world from wherever you are and it's it's evolved to be something more than just a magazine we have the classes now um and you know it's very exciting so if you just google lolwe l o l w e just you can find all the information <laughs> yes you know it but someone else doesn't know it Um, you did amazing work with Lolwe. Sorry to interrupt you, but I was just telling Wendy before we went to this live that I really admire your you know your stand on your you want to pay all the writers who submit their work. Yeah. Um, yeah. to Lolwe. Can you just talk a bit about that? I mean, what is the motivation saying... for that because you know paying people <laughs> with uh, exposure is the new currency. So <laughs> I know. I mean, the thing is, I am 
I approach almost everything from what I am. I am an artist myself and I'm always asking would I want my work to be published without me getting paid for it? I do not I do not give people work for free like I stopped mm-hmm. doing that probably 3 4 years ago. You have to pay me for my work and I'm always telling my friends, you know, if you want to be paid for your work, why would you run a literary magazine or why would you curate work and not pay the artist you know if you yourself you are an artist and you insist on being paid and lordway does not have funding so for me it was a way of how do i create a community around this thing this thing that no one still knew what it was about back then and kind of find a way to make them pay for it you know and so lordway is sustained by readers and writers and you know people who attend our classes and people who send us donations you know people who support us um spaces like the chicky natives that are always like yo how can we help how can we push through you know so for me it's just the generosity of the community that we've built around lolway so lolway is not even about the magazine for me it's not about the classes it's about the kind of community we've built around it around it i mean we get around 15,000 views on our website every month and you know for an African literary magazine that's big yeah. you know we are, we are not publishing clickbait we are not publishing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting stuff so for me it's yeah. just, I think it that's always cool. surprises me every day when I wake up and I, I realize oh my god I created this really huge thing that I did not ever think yeah. you know and, would and ever be teased, this big you teased I think you teased um, that you'd like to do a print Yeah. I really want uh, to, you do know. We have a date when can Somarami's shelves clear for Lolwe? <laughs> like Listen. we're going to sort of like clear everything here. <laughs> <laughs> In readiness. <laughs> I really want to, but yeah. the thing about Lolwe is I realize it's a lifelong project and mm-hmm. when you build lifelong projects you don't rush them you know you you say oh i'm committed to this for the next 15 years and so i must have a 5 year milestone i must have a 10 year milestone and there are so many things that i've thought about you know um last year we wanted to introduce the lolwe prizes but it's like if i introduce it now will it allow me to you know focus on the classes and it's like no i already rushed with the classes so it's better to commit time to what is already there you know i want the quality to improve i want the editorial structure to improve i want to build a team around lolway you know so that even if something happens to me today you know it's a magazine that has structure and it can still sustain itself and yeah. i think that's that's like the problem with most african literary structures is we build them so much around us that when we are not there they kind of crumble and so for me it's a question of do i want to continue you know just running a marathon without thinking okay what happens if i fall you know 40 kilometers or whatever kilometers in you know so for me i'm not rushing the print project if someone gives me funding tomorrow to do the print project i will do it because i have all this stuff written down and it just means pushing my goal you know um closer to the date but i wouldn't say for now it's it's a focus of mine i'd say for now our focus is publishing the best of the best african work or black writers work and yeah. building a community around the classes because 
these classes you know it's something that no one is doing you know yeah. um people like people like zukiswa people like ivon yeah. we need to we need to find a way to harvest the knowledge they have and how do do we harvest that if we are not imparting it into the next generation of writers and so for me it's about lolwe in itself building the next generation of african writers i love that yeah mic drop i don't i don't even <laughs> think we have any more questions thank you so much to <laughs> yeah but that is so powerful because i think like you said we get so caught up in in building things that we don't stop to think about sustainability and can this exactly. things outside of our personas yeah. you know so i think it's yeah. a great 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 thing you're doing with lolwe listening to this episode. The Somanami podcast is a production of Somanami Books, a Pan-African bookstore based in Nairobi, Kenya, focusing primarily on literature by Africans, the African diaspora, and women. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe, like, share, and tell a friend to tell a friend about us. You can connect with us on our social media and our website www.somanami.co.ke. See you on the next one.